Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. your mind, especially when you obey God in a certain area, and he gets in your mind and, and constantly rehearses in your mind, it's not going to work, that's not going to work, it's not going to happen. He's trying to impart doubt and unbelief to you. Always see that as a sign you've done something right. You know, if the devil never attacked your mind, if he never come against you with any type of attack of any kind, I'd wonder if I was obeying God. Amen? I mean, if there was never any thoughts in my mind of, you know, this or that, or, or, or why'd you give that amount of money, or why'd you say this to that person, or, you know, that you, why'd you do this that you think God's telling you, I'd wonder, am I even serving God? I mean, if you're serving God, there should be some attacks on you. I mean, that's not a, that's not a good amen, amen. No, if you're serving God, there should be some attacks. You say, why? Because everybody that's serving God is a threat to the devil. And I'd rather be a threat to the devil, amen, and serving God than be apathetic and complacent. But here's the good news. Don't be weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Well-doing is word-doing. You've been obeying the word. You've been tithing. You've been offering. You've been giving. You've been doing it sacrificially. Now it looks like the pressure's on. That means what? Harvest time is right on top. Amen? I know right now many of the crops of our area, our region, the cotton, the rice, the corn, the maize, it's all being cut. Many of those farmers right now, there's a deficit in their finances, but not for long. I said, but not for long. As soon as they get their crop in, they'll get paid for that particular crop. They'll take that check. They'll go to the bank. They'll pay off all their loans. Then they'll have money in the bank for that. Amen. Same thing is true with you. You may think, well, Pastor, I all summer long, I tithed and offered and gave, and now here I am in the fall, and it looks like I don't have much money in my accounts. Get ready. Don't close your accounts. Keep them open. Keep your storehouse open. It's fixing to come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Don't faint, don't quit, don't give up, for in due season you shall reap. Now say that again. I shall reap. Say it again. I shall reap. One more time. I shall reap. Hallelujah. I mean, believe Hallelujah. Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Praise God. Sunday night Bible study. It's always a good time to bring your Bibles. If you will, turn to the book of Jeremiah real quick. Then we'll go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Jeremiah 29. We've been studying prayer. I want to kind of turn toward praying the will of God in your life. It's amazing the plans that God has for you. Let me just say this just straight up. God has great plans for you. Plans beyond your imagination. Plans beyond your own uh, ability to dream and plans uh, that you would never make for yourself because if you made them for yourself, they'd be a lot lower than the plans God has for you because there are plans that you cannot achieve without Him. You have to have God to fulfill His plan in your life. Let me just say that about His plan in your life. His plan in your life is not a natural plan, it's a supernatural plan. Which means it takes supernatural ability, it takes supernatural power, it takes supernatural faith, it takes supernatural favor, it takes supernatural mercy and grace for you to fulfill what God has called you to do. But the good news is, He's more than willing. I said He's more than willing to help you fulfill that which He's called you to do. Now real quick, I wanted to look at this in Jeremiah. I like this scripture, verse 11. You ought to mark it in your Bible and memorize it. It says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Isn't it amazing that God is thinking about you? That God is thinking about you. That He has time to think about us 
as individuals. Now you say, well, pastor, there's probably close to a billion Christians around the world. How can he be thinking about everyone? Here's how. He does not live in the realm of time. Therefore, he has all the time he needs. <laughs> Think about that for a while, yeah. He does not live in the realm of time. Therefore, he has all the time he needs. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about his plan for your life. He's thinking about how to get to you the information you need to bring that plan into its fruition. He's thinking about exactly how you can apply that. He's thinking about all the details of the plan of God for your life. He's thinking about the people you'll need to help you fulfill it. He's thinking about the places you're going to go. He's thinking about the things you're going to possess. He's thinking about the prayers he's going to be answering down the road in your life. Isn't that great? God's thinking about all those things. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Now listen to this. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let me read it in the Amplified. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Now, you, you talk to most people out and you go, out, go outside on the street and you, and you, and you ask people, most people, what is God thinking about you? And most people will say this, well, he's trying to figure out how to squish me. He's trying to figure out how to get even with me. He knows what I said last week. He knows what I did last week. He's looking it out. He's, he's trying to figure out how to squish me like a bug. He's figuring out trying to how to get me in a corner. Man, he's been messing with memory preached on this morning how God, much God loves you. They have no idea about God. God is not planning to destroy anybody. Even the devil. You say, not even the devil? No, he's already destroyed him. I said he's already done it. No, he's planning to heal your body. Planning to bless your finances, planning to help you in your mind, planning to bless your business, your job, your marriage, your children. He is planning good things. Everybody say good things. He's planning good things for you. So let me read this one more time. I like it in the Amplified. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for your welfare and peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. That means at the end of your life, if Jesus tarries his coming, if we don't go up in the rapture of the church, as you make that decision to slip away out of this life and into the glory of heaven, you can look back at your life and say, man, God really planned it good. Life was worth living. That was a great life. You know, God wants you in heaven walking around saying, can you imagine Moses and Joshua and all of the uh, people that serve God and love the Lord, and the Apostle Paul and Matthew and all of these guys that hung around. Can't you see them up in heaven thinking about, man, that was a great life. That was really cool. I got to hang out with Jesus. I got to preach the gospel. I got to see the Red Sea open. I got to see Israel established. I got to see a giant get killed. I got to do this. I got to say that. Now, don't you think God wants you to have the same thing? He don't want a bunch of people walk around heaven going, man, y'all had it. Man, y'all had it great. All we did was pay the light bill and go shopping. <laughs> no, God wants you to look back at your life, at the end of your life, and say, look what the Lord has done. How he's blessed me, how he saved me, how he's preserved me, how he actually had a plan for my life, and I saw it in its fullness, and now here I am, ready, satisfied, because the, long, the Lord says, with long life I will what? So that you know how many know how long to live? Long, live till you're satisfied. Then when you're satisfied, you go on home, amen? Now go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
I got a few minutes so we can meddle in this subject. We're talking about praying the will of God, finding the will of God. Verse 6 says, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or among them that are perfected in the things of God, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught or nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even hidden wisdom. Now, it's a mystery to the world and the world system. It's not a mystery to the believer. The Bible says in Ephesians that he has unveiled or revealed those mysteries to us by his word. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory or our benefit, which none of the princes of this world knew. For if they had, have known, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now notice that. If they had known it, what is he talking about? He's talking about his plan. He's talking about his purpose for his son Jesus. He's showing us here very plainly that if the princes is talking about those that are influenced by the demonic realm, the princes and the power of this world, if they would have known the plan of God, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because in crucifying the Lord of glory, they destroyed themselves. Remember Jesus did what? Spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. For this was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So they planned the destruction of the Lord Jesus Christ to their own demise. It was the plan of God. What a plan it was. What a plan redemption was. If the devil would have known that plan, he would, as soon as Jesus got on the earth, he would have just ran and, hit, ran and hid in the cave. He would have got out of the way of anything God wanted to do. Now, with that in mind, think about God's plan for you. It's hidden from the devil. It's hidden from your adversary. Your adversary, oh, this is somebody get a hold of this this morning, I mean this afternoon, and you'll, you'll just really be blessed. The devil knows nothing about the plan of God for your life. The devil knows nothing about the plan of God for your life. If he did, he'd stop it, but he doesn't know. And that's the way it should be at the end of your life. When you look back, you should say, devil, if you would have known what I have become, you would have never, ever got in my way. You would have, I have defeated you in my body, in my mind, in my finances, in my family, at my job, in my business. I have proved you are under my feet. You should have never messed with me. If they'd only known. I remember, who was it? Randy Ayers came and preached that scripture uh, about two years after Ike and after all that God did to bless us after the storm and that was his message. If the devil would have known what Ike was going to do to this church, he would have never sent Ike to this island because it did not destroy us, it lifted us up. Amen. I mean, before Ike, we were planning just to get this little piece of property next door and build a little Sunday school and maybe expand our auditorium to seat about. Now we're looking to build an auditorium to seat at least 1,000, maybe 1,500 people. We're looking to buy land and property and do all the. It expanded our vision. It gave us a better uh, reputation in the community. God blessed many people. Lots that don't even come to the church but got blessed through the ministry. The devil would have known. He would have never tried to destroy us. And it's the same way in your life. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. It's a mystery. If the which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they had known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Now here's the key. When they crucified Jesus, they thought they were going against God when they were actually cooperating with his plan. 
Now you think about down through the Bible. People that did things that they thought would destroy the kingdom of God. There was a guy named Pharaoh in Egypt. He thought, I'm going to destroy God's people, Israel. So what I'll do is I'll make a law that every child, every male child that is born, amen, every male child that is born, I'll have him destroyed. I'll have him killed. God said, I'll do you one better than that. You can go ahead and pass that law, but I'll, I'll use it to fulfill the will of God in the earth, and I'll cause one to be saved, and I'll raise him in your house with your daughter. He'll eat, your, he'll eat at your table. He'll be educated in your schools. He'll be heir to your throne, but I'll use him to deliver Israel. Dumb devil. That's just how he is, amen. Verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. I love this. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Listen to me. I'm going to prophesy it to you. God has prepared something for you something more than you have right now, something bigger than you are right now, something greater than you are right now. God has been in the preparation room preparing for you good stuff. How many love him? Then he's prepared something for you. Amen. Now notice this. For what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Notice that's a small s. Oh, I missed a verse. Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, capital S. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what knoweth a man, what knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit, small s, of man. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now, here's where we enter in to what I call a twofold revelation of the reality of the will of God for your life. There is first of all, that which is revealed. Everybody say revealed. Now that is what I, for lack of a better term, maybe I'll educate myself in a greater manner in the years to come and come up with a better word than this. But that's what I call the generic will of God. That which is relevant to each and every one of us. You say, what do you mean by that? It's not hidden, it's in the word. Number one, it is the will of God that you be born again. God doesn't want any man to perish. He wants everyone to come into the knowledge of salvation. Number two, you should study the Word of God. Once you are born again, you should have a hunger and a desire for the Word of God. You should read it. You should study it. You should meditate on it. You should have it ministered and preached to you. Number three, you should learn to pray, communication with Him. He communicates with you through the Word. We communicate to Him through prayer. And then He also communicates back to us through prayer. It is the will of God that you get saved, that you read the Bible, that you pray. It is also the will of God that you find a local assembly, a church. God doesn't want you just drifting out there. The other day I told Leah this, I'd, I'd, walked, uh, I'd walk cookie in the morning. And down at the end of our block, there's a big highline wire and a bunch of pigeons live on the, on, the, on the wires. I imagine there's maybe close to 100 of them. There's a bunch of them. And this big old uh, banded tail hawk, they're pretty big. They, they stand about this side. They're the bigger hawks that we see. This big old banded tail hawk, he took one swoop over those pigeons, and all them pigeons took off. And they stayed in a real tight cluster flying together. And they flew this way, and the hawk flew this way. And they flew that way, and the hawk flew this way. And then one pigeon took off. Off he went, and off went the hawk. The group flew back up, landed on the wire, but that one that took off by himself, that hawk stayed behind him, stayed behind him, and ran him into a garage door. Boom! Swooped up, came back around, dropped down on him, and guess what? That was breakfast. What happened? 
He left the flock. He left the flock. He should have stayed with the flock. That's what he should have done. Amen. The Bible shows us very plainly in Joshua. He calls it the camp in Joshua. But it is the will of God that you stay in the camp till you, be, till you are made whole. God wants wholeness in you. He wants blessing in you. He wants you connected to a vision greater than yourself. He wants you pulling with something corporate, a group of people doing something bigger than who they are so that he can fulfill his will in an area and also in the world. You need a spiritual support system. You need spiritual authority in your life. All of these different things God supplies through the church. It is the will of God for all of us. I submit myself to certain men. Uh, Pastor Sam Carr, Pastor Mark Brzee. I look to for, for, for guidance, for counsel. I tell them they have an open, uh, an open door into my life. If you see me doing anything wrong, if you hear of me doing anything wrong, if there's anything in question, you call me, you correct me. You have the right to do that. I give them the right to do that. In so doing, I am protected by spiritual authority by being submitted to it. The same thing is true of the believer. You need a pastor. You need spiritual authority. You need those that you can look to to teach you the word, to minister, to cause you to rise up, and to help you fulfill your calling and destiny. Can I get a better amen than that? God wants you to tithe and offer. He wants you to take of your finances and put it into the kingdom of God so that he can bless you financially. God wants you active in the move of God. He wants you singing in the choir. He wants you working with the ushers. He wants you working with the kids. He wants you working out at the visitor center, working with the tent ministry, working with the bus ministry. Whatever you find to do, put your hand to do it. You say, well, I don't know if it's the will of God or not. Well, try something. And if that doesn't work out, go. I'd rather, I'd rather sing and find out that's not it. Work as a counselor, that's not it. Work as an usher, that's not it. Work at the visitor center, that's not it. Work with a tent and find out that's it. Don't be afraid to go through the process of elimination to find out what the will of God is for your life. It is the will of God, generically, for each and every one of us to be a minister. Not a five-fold minister, not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, but a minister of reconciliation where we, each and every one of us, by the word of our mouth and by our lives, the way we live, we preach the gospel to the world that we live in. I ought to get a better amen than that. That literally we are His witnesses being used by God, the unction that is on the inside of us, the anointing that is upon us. We go out, we witness, we pray for the sick, we cast out devils. God uses us in the gifts of the Spirit. Has nothing to do with ministering in the church. Has everything to do with ministering to the world. That's the will of God for our lives. Now, I could go on and on. There's several other points we could make. But then there comes that which is not generic or revealed. There is that which is hidden. That which the spirit of man has not received yet. That which has not been unveiled or revealed to you. And that is what separates us as individuals. That is what is very specific about our lives. You don't know. God may have you be a successful businessman. God may have you be an interceding housewife. You say, what do you mean an interceding housewife? That was the will of God for my mom. My mom was a powerful intercessor, a prayer warrior. Her mother was like that also. She kind of inherited that from her mom. It wasn't the will of God for her to be a professional of any kind. It wasn't the will of God for her to be some great teacher or preacher. It was the will of God for her to pray. 
And she did it continually. And she did it day after day after day after month after month after year after year. It was her divine calling. It was her destiny. Much of what we're enjoying today is because my mom prayed it out in the Holy Ghost many years ago. Praying in the Spirit, not even knowing even what she was praying about, but yielding herself to the Holy Ghost, that was her destiny. That was what was specific and unique about her. There is something specific and unique about you. Eye has not seen, nor has your ear heard. That means naturally you have not received it, but God wants to reveal it to you supernaturally. And here's the thing. It may be something that if you knew right now would totally repulse you. I didn't want to be a preacher. I don't know why God revealed it to me when I was age 17. At age 17, I hated preachers. I didn't like preachers. There was only a couple that I had respect for. The rest of them I had no time for whatsoever. My dad being attorney to preachers, I'd see him in our home, and I'd see him crying, and I'd see him weeping, and I'd see him telling their sad old story till daddy got out his checkbook, and then they'd get all happy. We had more vacuum cleaners. We had more encyclopedias. We had more stuff than you ever believed of from preachers passing through selling junk. Amen. So I didn't like that. I thought that's terrible. I don't want to I don't be a person like that. That's crazy. But the will of God, the specific will of God for my life was not to sell vacuum cleaners, was not to sell colon cleansers. That's what went on in the 80s. They sold, they sold telephones and colon cleansers. Amen. I never sold a one of them. Don't worry about it. Not to sell encyclopedias, amen, but to live by faith, to live by the Word of God, to travel for many years, and then to rise, raise up Island Church by the will of God. That was the specific will of God for my life, and I've got good news. I'm just entering in to what I call the second phase of my ministry. I'm 11 years into the second phase of my ministry and the best is yet to come. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking and I'm going to find the will of God for me as an individual, as a pastor and for us as a church. Mm -mm. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, verse 12. Now let me just say that for a second because this is important. In our soul, our soul is, is made up of our mind, our emotion, and our will. In our soul resides that which would draw us toward natural things. In us, especially if you're younger, you're in high school, you're in college, you're looking for your way in life, feeling your way in life, there's a strong force on the inside of you called ambition. Now, there's nothing wrong with ambition unless you allow ambition to supersede God's call on your life. Ambition should be submitted to God. Ambition will give you motivation, will give you drive, will give you desire. But if it's in the wrong place, it'll move you in the wrong direction. It may be the will of God for you to be a missionary to Africa, but your ambition wants you to be a businessman up in Houston. So instead of yielding to that to that calling to go to Africa, all you do is allow ambition to drive you into that place you want to be as a business person. Well, you may become successful. You may be saved. You may go to heaven. You may attend church. You may raise your family. Your body gets healed when you get sick. Your finances prosper. But you will never experience the extreme dimensions of joy and peace that you would experience as what God called you to be. I'm not saying you couldn't live 
in what ambition has wrought. I'm not saying you couldn't live under what God gives you when it comes to talent and that what you do for yourself. But when you make a decision that I'm going to take the high road, you say, what do you mean? There's the low road and the high road. The low road is the human ambition. The high road is God's calling upon your life. It's holy. It's righteous. I mean, in the storms of life, you have peace. I'm telling you, I like what Sister Helen Redmond said. She said, as long as a man or a woman is in the will of God and the destiny of God for their life, they are indestructible. Nobody can touch them. The devil can't touch them. Finances and debt, that can't touch them. All of the things, it cannot touch them. Why? Because God has them surrounded by His grace and His mercy. That's what God wants for every believer. So we've not received the spirit of the world, ambitious, ambitious motivation, but the spirit which is of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside, that we might know, everybody say no. That's to understand and experience that we might know the things, I love this, that are freely given to us of God. Now, I know there's a lot of teaching on the price you're going to have to pay. Oh, my goodness. I, I heard that teaching as a young boy. Didn't like it. Heard it when I went first went into the ministry. Didn't like it. So I don't preach on the price you have to pay. I was in a minister's meeting. This I'd been in the ministry about two years. Right before I married Leah, up in Central Texas, about 200 ministers. And, and at the end of a, one service that I really to this day really don't understand what the preacher preached. But he gave an altar call and everybody answered it but me. So I'm standing there looking around going, I must have missed what this guy had to say. Well, up at the altar went on this, I, I'm sure there was an element of the Spirit of God to it. But there were some other things that I just didn't think were right. Men were crying, weeping, pounding on the altar, all this kind of stuff. So I just kind of stood there uncomfortably for a little while. Then I stepped out of my seat and I kind of backed up to the back wall. Well, the guy that was leading the meeting, he saw me standing back there and he came around and he walked up to me and he took me by the hand and very compassionately he said this to me. He said, well, Rusty, you don't understand. You've not been in the ministry long. But these men are grieving over all that they've had to give up in order to fulfill the will of God in their lives. And I thought to myself, grieving over what they had to give up? Let me, th let me think what I gave up. Uh, sin, unrighteousness, immoral behavior, addictions, afflictions, maniac tendencies. I begin to think about it. Then I begin to study the Bible. And I can begin to see the Apostle Paul, how he gave up some things that looked pretty important. A great education, uh, being a Pharisee, uh, being respected. He gave it all up. And he said, I count it but rubbish or dung to be thrown on the dung pile that I might obtain the excellency of the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. And I begin to think, it's not a price to pay. It's a privilege to fulfill, you say, well, Pastor, I've, I've given up all. Look what I've given up to serve God. You've not given up anything. You've given up your own ambition. You've given up things that would destroy you. You've given up things that would harm you. You've given up all that. You've given that up so that you could follow Jesus into the goodness of God, into the glory of God, into the good things of God. He will not lead you into sickness and disease. He will not lead you into poverty and lack. He will not lead you into a divorce. He will not lead you into bankruptcy. He will lead you into blessing. So from then till now, 30 years, I hadn't made it to the altar yet. To weep and cry about all that I've given up. Say, what would you give up? The only thing I ever gave up was that which was destructive to my life. 
everything else God has blessed me with. And the things that are what? I love this. Freely. So if it's freely given, what's the price? If it's freely given, what's the price? Oh, I love to pray. So you've got to pray the price. I love to pray. It's not a labor to me. It's my passion. I love the word. It's not a labor to me. It's my passion. I love to come to church. I love to sing the praises of God. I love to teach and preach to the people. I love to sit and have it talk to me. So, Pastor, you don't know what I gave up to come to church tonight. What? The Simpsons episode? A football game? You know what our doctrine on football is? You blow up a pigskin and everybody lifts their hands and worships it? Never mind, we won't get on that. Y'all football fans get mad at me, amen? <laughs> that we might know, let me wind this up, our time is up. That we might know the things that are freely to given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here's where I wanted to end up, verse 14. But the natural man, the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man, your natural mind, when God says, this is it, this is my plan for your life, the natural man goes, no, no, not me, not me. I remember when I came back to the Lord, I thought, well, I'll go, I'll go chase the rodeo circuit again. I'll learn how to be a fishing guide or a hunting guide. I'll be a good Christian. I'll put a Christian fish on my business card. But I ain't going to preach. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And listen, that didn't stop the I'm not going to's of my life. Because even in the ministry, I had some I'm not going to's. I'm not going to pastor a church. I'm not going to have any children. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And all my I'm not going to's end up as the will of God for my life. So be careful what you ever say you're not going to do. Well, I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm not going to go to Africa. I'm not gonna. Be careful what you're saying because within the boundaries of the I'm not going to do may be your destiny in life. Remember the Apostle Peter, Acts chapter 10. God gave him an open vision. One of the highest forms of communication between God and men. Your senses are suspended. You lay out like you're in a coma. God reveals things to you by His Spirit. Showed it to Peter three times. And what did Peter do three times? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. God speaking to him. No, no. I've never eaten anything that's commoner. No, no, no. And he goes to Cornelius' house apologizing. The most apologetic message ever preached in the Bible. I'm sorry I'm here. I don't want to touch you. I don't want to do it. And he gets over into Jerusalem among his peers and he's doing the same thing. Hey, man, I didn't go by my own. I never touched him. As I preached, the Holy Ghost fell on him. And what happened to Peter? His ministry began to go back down and God raised up the Apostle Paul who went to the Gentile world and preached the gospel. Peter should have done it. Then we'd have had two. Isn't it amazing? That which we think is the most unlikely scenario of life, as you yield to the will of God, becomes the reality of your life. And you think, I'd have never done that. I'd have never thought of that. I'd have never come up with that. That's why you have to get on your knees every day and say, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And if you will do that, 
Pray these prayers. We saw over in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Lord, for the knowledge of your will in all spiritual understanding that I may walk worthy of you, Lord, be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. Pray that prayer over yourself every day. Then do everything you can do to yield to the general will of God for each and every one of us. And out of that will come the specific will of God that is designed for you perfectly. It will be perfect for you. You will find out, this is what I was created to do. This is what God created me for. And when you find it, you'll never let it go. Amen? Hallelujah. You love the Lord? Lift your hands up and worship Him for a minute. Father, we thank You tonight for Your will in our lives. We thank You that You've got a plan and a will greater than the plan and will that we have for ourselves. We thank You tonight, Lord, we can enter into that by prayer. We thank You for the knowledge of it by the Spirit that we can spiritually discern that which you give unto us to do and who you would want us also to be. Thank you, Father, that that enhances our prayer life, that we live for you above the level of our personal need, pressing into the will of God for our lives, recognizing it's within our obedience to that will every need is met, every problem solved, every sickness healed, everything that we need supplied. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Fathers, we dismiss tonight. Thank you for our protection. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.